Are you ready to free the body and free the soul? Join Dr. David, the cutting edge doc, as he guides us on today's journey. Here's Dr. David. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. I'm your host, Dr. David, the cutting edge doc. And here on Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, we do in depth interviews with individuals that are doing cutting edge work in the areas of healing spirituality, and social transformation. Today's going to be a uh, another episode of Question and Answers with Dr. David. I'm finding that I'm being guided to do more and more of these. And what I'm doing is I'm asking some of my friends who have a certain level of consciousness to be kind of a proxy representative for some of the listeners out there, and they're going to be asking me a series of questions that uh, hopefully will catalyze some powerful conversations that will be very, very valuable to you. So in this particular episode, I'm interviewed by my friend Suzanne Lee, who in her own right is a very accomplished channel and author and guide, and we cover a wide variety of topics which you can read more about in the show notes. So I really enjoyed this conversation, and there'll be many more Q&As coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation between Suzanne Lee and yours truly, Dr. David. Bye for now. Hi, friends. Dr. David here, the Cutting Edge Doc. And I'm here today with my friend Suzanne Lee. And Suzanne Lee has graciously agreed to... uh, be here today so that we can switch the tables a little bit because uh, she had some powerful questions that she wanted to ask me and give me a chance to expound upon a little bit that she thought might be a benefit to all of the listeners. So Suzanne, let me turn it over to you for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul, and I am in your hands. All right. Well, I think the question is a lot about freeing the body and really attending to the soul because as we expand our consciousness and as the frequencies of light that are coming to the planet are increasing there is a lot of changes that are going on with our physical bodies and i've talked to many many people about all the things that are happening in their physical bodies as well as in their life but since you're a doctor i would like to ask you about some of the changes and some of the modifications that you have seen within the physical form sure so i'll just start somewhere and then feel free to interrupt me anytime or 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 feel free to to just take this to to any natural follow-up questions you might have before you want to go on to your next major question so the main thing that i've been noticing especially over the last few months as the frequencies have really been amped up is that um, people are experiencing fatigue. And what's interesting is that the interpretation that we give to that fatigue has a huge impact on both the quality of our life and also in terms of our effectiveness in responding to that reality. And um, 
you know, it's very easy to think when you're fatigued that there's something wrong. And the minute you go into that space, um, you disempower yourself and it probably even makes the fatigue worse. You know, some people, depending on their patterns, their habits, they will respond to that fatigue in different ways. <clears throat> some people will deny it. Some people will indulge it. Some people will try to rationalize it. Some people will try to overpower it. Some people will just feel frozen and, and, and overwhelmed by it. But, um, I have the benefit of the perspective of being able to work with many patients. And I have the perspective of my own journey and my own process as well. And so my take on what is happening, uh, and again, this isn't medical advice. Uh, you know, if you're concerned about a medical condition, you should consult a medical practitioner. But just in the context of your question, what I have found is that there is so much retooling going on, both metaphysically and physically for people, that it's like there's this major project that's going on that can be hard to see, but just because it's hard to see doesn't mean that it's not happening. And you can look at this transformation that's happening on many, many different levels, but if you want to kind of slice the pie on a physical level, one of the things that's happening that many of the uh, seers have spoken about for a long time is this awakening of dormant potentialities in the DNA. And I think that's correlated with some shifts, some alchemical shifts that are going on um, at the elemental level. So for example, many um, teachers have talked about the shift from being mostly carbon-based to being mostly silicon-based, which is silicon is uh, an element of silicon dioxide, which are quartz crystals. And so there's a, a tremendous amount that's going on. Also, there's a tremendous purging of toxicity on every level, and that project takes energy as well. And many people have adrenal glands that are exhausted. Many people have uh, livers that are overtaxed, uh, uh, endocrine systems that are out of whack, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of stress on the body. Um, the genetically modified foods that we're being exposed to are a tremendous stress on the body. And I could go on and on, but one of the yeah, things... So, yeah, I would, I would like to kind of like put that into categories because you named all those great court categories. One is the 97% DNA. And I'd like to really address that. And then I wish I could remember everything that you said. What was the next category? So we can go into each one. I'm writing them down. Well, I don't remember the order, but I talked about, um, I talked about the toxicity, the purging, the uh, the GMO issue is huge. Okay, and then the GMO, and then also the what you think about, you bring about. I talked about the adrenal fatigue. I talked about the liver overload, and I could go on and on and on. But one of the things that I have noticed in my own body over the last four to eight weeks especially is that my need for 
high quality water, the quantity that my body is needing has been increasing dramatically. And it makes sense to me because almost all of the chemical reactions that take place in our body occur in, a, in an aqueous or water medium. And so it makes sense to me that if there are all of these projects that are going on in our body and there's more biochemical turnover than normal, it makes total sense to me that, uh, that my water intake would need to increase. I've also noticed that my need for protein has increased. I would say not so much um, to have necessarily more protein at one sitting, because having more than about 35 grams of protein at any one meal can be somewhat stressful to the liver and kidneys. But I'm noticing how important it is for me to have not only high quality protein, but high quality fats and oils. I'm finding that the fats and oils and the protein together to be very grounding which is very important for someone like myself that tends to have a pretty uh, broad out there consciousness anyway. Yes, I think the grounding yeah. is a really good point. Can we go back to that 97% DNA? Sure, but just and one other thing I wanted to say about the grounding. Another thing that I'm finding really helpful is spending time barefoot on natural surfaces. Uh, yes. At least 10, 15 minutes a day. And also another thing I'm finding very helpful, and I, Suzanne, you might expand on this because this is probably your specialty, but one of the things that's helping me in the grounding is not only the diaphragm breathing that I'm doing, that I'm, I pretty much do all the time, but I'm doing this, um, you know, I've, I've, I've done a visualization for many years and many light workers do this visualization where we imagine ourselves uh, in a pillar of light that goes uh, through uh, our bodies down to the center of the earth and then up into the heavens with a two-way flow of energy going on. But one of the things that I have done since reading one of your books that has made that visualization even stronger is when I imagine my connection to the center of the earth and the crystalline core in the past, I just imagined uh, just a large uh, basic crystal. But what I'm doing now, since reading your books, is I'm imagining a particular arrangement of crystals with four crystals kind of shaped in a, that would be like at the corners of a pyramidal base. And then I'm imagining a taller crystal in the middle of that a square of the four crystals. And I'm finding that when I imagine that, that is tapping me into another level of connection and love for Mother Gaia that is really, really helping my grounding these days. Yes. That, and also the fact that you're also connected to the higher frequencies of what people may call heaven or may call other things uh, like higher dimensions. I would call it higher dimensions. I've heard from many people that have had experiences of being on starships and remember being on starships. Uh, so there is definitely higher frequency realities. Um, 
And I think it's important that people begin to recognize that because what we don't know about appears to be fearful and what we know about becomes normal and then normal isn't fearful. So when we are connecting with the core of the earth and the cornerstone crystals, like you said, it's so powerful that that also brings us into a unity consciousness with the actual planet. So we feel like the planet is a living being. And then we're going to treat it much nicer because it's a living being. Um, and also, if we can really all open our minds to alternate forms of reality beyond that which has been evident in our daily physical lives. Uh, and that's an important thing to keep us open-minded. And if we have a small spectrum of how we perceive Earth, then it's easy to fall into fear. But the larger spectrum that we have of perceptions of Earth, then that makes us feel actually expanded and, and even more protected. Do you have anything to add to that part? Well, you know, just to add on to this idea about the the four crystals and the four corners is I've been combining it with a ritual that I've taken from the Native American tradition that I've used off and on for many, many years, mm -hmm. which has to do with a, I'll share it with you, a, a ritual that I go through to connect to the four, the four cardinal directions. Um, what I do is I, uh, I get centered and then I say north, south, east, west, above, below, love to all beings. Yes, that's perfect. And that is right out of book five, too. So, you know, it's interesting. I read a lot of stuff and hear from a lot of people. And it's interesting how... So many people are getting the same information, but everybody says it according to their background, their training, their personality. And what is wonderful about that is it builds a unity consciousness that is based on acceptance, that it doesn't matter if you perceive it or think about it exactly in the same way as, you know, as, the, as somebody else. Because each of us are individuals, and each of those individuals is like a puzzle piece. And if all the individuals see where they're alike and how they're alike, that puzzle piece starts coming together into a new, a new kind of reality. And I think that we're in a good time now to really work on making those kinds of shifts. And, and I did want to go back and ask about the 97% DNA. Sure. Um, because um, that feels like it's something that's really important. And you being a doctor can see it from a different perspective. Yeah, I do have some thoughts on it. It doesn't really come from, I'm not really wearing my doctor hat when I talk about this because yes, uh, the science really hasn't caught up with it. But my sense is, is that, you know, we you know, as, as children of God, so to speak, that our design is um, sort of there's the alpha and the omega that's already in the design. And because of that, 
this 97% of the DNA that doesn't seem to code for particular proteins that we need physically, it makes sense to me that this 97% of the DNA that's been relatively dormant, it makes sense to me that the design of the human would be such that um, when there's a particular readiness or a particular right timing or a set of conditions that have been met, it makes sense to me that this other aspect of our DNA would come online and be functional as it's appropriate for human beings to become more aware of and responsible for their multidimensional nature. And so that makes total sense to me. And my sense is, is that what ultimately activates this 97% is love. But that, but that that love translates into different forms of expression that human beings can relate to. So, for example, um, goodwill or when you're around someone who is awake or when you're eating really clean, pure food and really uh, breathing really clean air and uh, being near the ocean or being in a forest or um, having a sincere desire to be of service to life or you're letting go of resentments or you're cultivating forgiveness and gratitude and innocent perception. All of these things to me are expressions of love and amplifications of love. So it makes sense to me that as human beings become more interested in these things and more in expanding their viewpoints and things they're concerned about and that they care about and their stewardship for the planet, it makes sense to me that these aspects of the DNA, whereas I see the DNA kind of like as multi-dimensional antennas or dimensional doorways, it makes sense to me that these things would come online. It's kind of like uh, like a timed release capsule, like, um, like for example, when a, you know, when it, when a, when a baby is born, the baby's born with the uh, design so that at a certain time, usually when they reach about 12, 13 years old, they go through certain hormonal shifts such that they're able to participate in the reproduction of the species. But the potential for that possibility exists from the very beginning, but it doesn't come online until there's a reason for it to come online. Well, if you take that that hormonal biochemical analogy and you apply it more in the spiritual metaphysical domain, I think the analogy is the same. We, we were created with this genetic potential, with this DNA potential, but a lot of it wasn't necessary for it to come online until a particular point. And I think all the things I mentioned are catalyzing it coming online, as well as other things like, you know, that you were hinting at in terms of uh, 
larger cycles that we're a part of, the fact that the photonic energy <clears throat> that the Earth is being exposed to is different than it used to be, the gamma radiation from the sun, the solar uh, flare cycles, all of this is changing and it's no accident. It's time to awaken. And so there's going to be uh, manifestations or reflections of this awakening at every level of divine design, including our bodies. So that makes complete sense to me. And if you can understand that and start to resonate with that and understand that um, that there's a purging, cleansing aspect to this upgrade, if you will. You know, if we're if we're upgrading our operating system, there's certain things that worked before uh, that that are now becoming problems. Like, for example, people used to be able to get away with eating this or drinking that and still feel okay, but now they're not able to get away with that. It would be like uh, if you had a VW, you could put regular gas into the engine and it would be fine. But if you have a Ferrari and you're putting regular gas into the engine, now that engine is going to knock and it's going to sputter and it's going to give you problems. Well, the same thing is happening. And so the most important thing is for people to understand what is going on because that helps to reduce the fear. And also they can begin to consciously cooperate with this process that's happening in their certain dimensions of human experience that really begin to open up only once you begin to freely and consciously choose to cooperate with this um, unfolding of consciousness. And so that's how I see the 97% DNA uh, that we haven't known what it's for. That's how I see it fitting in to the picture. Yes. And I've um, done some research on finding other people that have done research. And there's several people, I think they might have been in Germany. Um, but they did research and they would take a segment of that 97% DNA and they would put the people in one room and the DNA in another room. And when they showed uh, happy pictures, the people would be happy and the DNA would stand up all bright and happy. And then when they showed unhappy pictures, then they would see that the DNA in the other room would diminish. And they took it far away. They took the DNA 50 miles, 500 miles away, had nothing to do with time or space. And so they came to the conclusion that this DNA is like a type of interdimensional portal that is not bound by time or bound by space. Yeah. And that as we use these, they did the same thing with T-cells. Remember they did that thing with T-cells where uh, the state of the, the person when they were watching um, something scary, their T-cell count would go down. When they were watching something loving, their T-cell count would go up. And so it shows how much the power of love and happiness and fulfillment has to do with ourselves on a cellular level, on a cellular level. Now, my pet thing is the opposite, which is on a planetary level. And 
one of the things I think that expands our consciousness more than anything is that people began to not just limit their reality to their self or their neighborhood or their jobs or their family, but to realize that we are all citizens of a planet. And this planet is also going into these higher frequencies of light. And this planet is also shifting. And humanity has not walked gently on the surface of Gaia. The Native Americans did, and some cultures have, but um, a lot of them haven't. So I would like you to talk about a little bit how, um, you know, what's going on with the planet is very similar with what's going on with the human body, wouldn't you say? I would. And, uh, you know, one of the things your books point out is that you know, one of the major reasons the light workers are here now is to assist in uh, what is going on on the planet at a planetary level as well. But I think one of the things that is so important to remember is that um, unlike the way the ego would operate, the way the Holy Spirit operates is the the um, the lesser is not the individual is not sacrificed uh, in any type of a victim or martyr or self pity kind of way for the greater good. It's not like that. It's not like a competition between people or between the lesser whole and the greater whole. It's important to understand. Like again, let's go back to an analogy of the physical body that the uh, the greatest contribution that a liver cell could possibly make to the wellness of the whole body would be for the liver cell to become the best liver cell that it could possibly be. And it turns out that one of the things that really, really is very dangerous to physical existence is if a liver cell forgets that it's a liver cell and it starts thinking it's a kidney cell if it starts functioning as if it were a kidney cell while it's in the liver, that's one of the things that can lead to real medical emergencies. And so if you take that analogy, this is something I really want to bring out, that the greatest contribution an individual can make to the whole, well, of course, part of it is the recognition that they are part of this greater whole, and I think you're speaking to that, but I want to bring out something else. And that is that just like the liver cell has a unique structure and function as opposed to a kidney cell, but that doesn't mean that it's separate from the kidney cell, that it's cut off from the kidney cell. It just means that it has a unique destiny as a liver cell that only a liver cell can can embody and express i feel that same way about human individuals that every individual soul has a unique love and a unique destiny and reason for being here that only it can express and one of the concerns that i have is i see people attempting you know they get this idea that they want to be of service to the greater whole. They get this idea that they want to be of service to God or they want to be of service to the planet. 
but they haven't done the inner work that's necessary to find out what is the uniqueness of that person as their own individual self. And, you know, until you are willing to step out into life with faith and consciousness and live as the love that you are, you're not going to know with certainty. You're not going to know your unique purpose, your unique reason for being. And I see a lot of people get on the spiritual path, but really what they're doing is they're avoiding. They're, they're avoiding doing their own interpersonal work to the point where they can clarify for themselves, you know, are they a liver cell? Are they a kidney cell? Are they a thyroid cell? What is their unique function and destiny? Because if each person was being and doing that in with a, with an appreciation for the bigger picture, I think everything would really work out great. And so one of the things that I do with my students is I often will have them do an exercise where I have them focus on everything in their life that they're naturally good at that comes easy to them. And then I have them focus on that for about 20 minutes, write about it, speak about it. And then I have them let go of that. And then I have them take about 20 minutes and focus on everything that resonates with their joy, whether it's a person, a place, a thing, an activity, an idea, a piece of music, a piece of art that resonates with their joy. Because I find that it's where those two things come together where there's some overlap between things that resonate with our joy and things that come really easy to us, our natural gifts and talents and strengths. We find that overlay. And then from that point of that overlay, our, if we're willing to water that seed, our purposes will begin to reveal themselves. And then, then then we can look out into the world again. We can look out into the big picture and see more clearly, and we can see what's really needed and wanted. And then when you combine your gifts and talents and strengths with that which you love, and you combine that with looking out into the larger collective, and which includes Mother Earth, and seeing what's really needed and wanted, it could be looking out into your family. It could be looking out into your community. It could be looking out into the company you, you, you work with. It could be looking out to the planet in general. It could be looking out in many, many different dynamics. But when you're tuned into that which you love and you're tuned into your unique strengths, then when you look out into the bigger picture, it's easier to see what's really needed and wanted. And it's easier to see where your unique highest destiny is in that bigger picture. And when you are in that sweet spot, I call it a sweet spot. When you're in that sweet spot where you're resonating with your joy and you're appreciating and intimate with, and you're being a good steward of your gifts and talents and strengths, and you're open to the collective and you're looking to see what's really needed, that's when the miracles happen. That's when the magic happens. And yeah, that's really that's really great. I love that um, 
putting together what you are best at and what your joy is and finding like that cornerstone, you know, for yourself. Yeah. And when, and once this you find, is where you build. And once you find that place, it gives you a really centered place to be and to stand. And then you look out into life and you, you see what you see and you feel what you feel and you do what you do and you say what you say, but somehow the quality of your perception and the clarity is much greater when you're in that kind of a resonance. And, you know, there's so many people, as I mentioned, that I see that dabble on the spiritual path, but they really have a difficult time building a firm foundation, building a tall building, so, so to speak, because their foundation is shaky because they're doing it partially as a, as an escape from their own personal lives and their own, their own personal psychology. And there was a uh, spiritually oriented psychologist that actually coined a term for this uh, a couple of decades ago, a man named John Wellwood, he called it spiritual bypass. (laughs) Yes. And it never works because spirituality has to do with the unity of existence and it has yeah. to do with love and it has to do with reality. And so any time that you're using your spirituality to avoid your individuality or to avoid reality, it'll always backfire. And then it gets really ugly because then the ego starts to co-opt your spiritual journey and it can get very ugly and very messy. And so I think being, yeah, because you're off of your center. You're not right. in your center right. anymore. And so I think this this particular approach mm-hmm. of focusing on that which you love and your strengths, it provides a certain protection against the dangers of that kind of spiritual bypass because, as you mentioned, it does keep you in a much more centered, clear position. Yes, yes. And, and also, as one of the things that I talk about is that uh, to remember to send ourselves unconditional love. That, that doesn't mean I will love you when you. Unconditional means I love myself. I love you exactly how you are in this moment. And then to send themselves unconditional forgiveness I forgive you, self, for whatever you think you did or whatever somebody else thought you did. You are unconditionally forgiven. And then that allows people to go into a state of consciousness, which is unconditional acceptance, which is another way of saying what you said, that unconditionally you know that when you are centered, when you are being yourself, When you are following your own inner guidance, you know that you are you and you accept that you are you. And that's what brings up all these wonderful, unique uh, contributions where something totally unique for that person. And it's through that process of having all these different people coming with their specific, unique contribution and putting it together into a package of unity consciousness, it covers up, it covers all of the bases. So all the possible realities, the possible outcomes, the possible beginnings, it 
is a collective force. And when that collective force is united with that unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, and unconditional forgiveness of all life, all life, because once we are angry at somebody, then we have lowered our consciousness because of that person. So we gave that person the power to lower our consciousness, and that's our consciousness. And so when we just unconditionally forgive and accept and, you know, send some love, I'm sorry that, you know, that's what you felt you needed to do, but I'm not participating in that reality, then our consciousness can stay in unity with others and with the planet. For sure. But here's the challenge with that is there's a lot of people that came from homes, for example, families of origin, where even though the parents would say, oh, I love you, the parents had no idea what unconditional love was. And so there's a lot of people that grew up with a big confusion about love. And also just if you've never if you haven't experienced, you know, if in your if in your earthly life, you haven't experienced being in the presence of an unconditionally loving human being, it can be really challenging to remember what unconditional love is to be able to give it, extend it to yourself or to extend it to somebody else. And so I don't know about you, but in my experience of my own journey as a soul and through my experience of serving thousands of people, one of the things that I think is the greatest contribution that can be made is that when a human being is in the place of unconditional love, if you have the opportunity to be in the presence of a being that's in that space, even if it's um, not physically in person, like even if it's just through a recording like this, if you have the opportunity to be in the presence of someone who's actually being the unconditional love that they are, that's one of the greatest blessings because there's this resonance phenomena where it's all already inside you. We talked about this earlier. The divine design is already there. The alpha and the omega is there already. But in terms of it being activated, some of it has to do with divine right timing for sure and factors that are beyond your individual control. But a lot of it has to do with the choices you make about where you spend your time and your personal associations and your personal relationships and what you focus on. And if you study spiritual traditions it, one of the things you see in common is that the opportunity or the privilege to be in the presence of someone who has already uh, achieved a high state of realization and is actually being that unconditional love, that can activate that dormant aspect or that dormant awareness of your nature that I don't think anything replaces that. Like if I look back on my own spiritual journey and I look at the catalysts along the way for me, and of course, I was a part of the equation. I mean, the intensity of my desire 
for freedom, to know truth, the purity of my seeking obviously was a major factor in the drama. But in terms of how it plays out in time and space, I would say probably 9,999 out of 10,000 people who, you know, have reached a certain level of consciousness who are human beings on planet Earth would say that at least they've had one physical plane, at least one physical plane encounter with a relatively awake human being. And, you know, who you associate with and where you put your attention and who you become intimate with is so important. And, you know, once we are vibrating at a certain level of love and consciousness, just being willing to be present and show up in our lives and be present with other human beings, to me, is one of the greatest blessings. Yes, that, that's absolutely true, that environment. And, you know, I was a psychotherapist for like 35 years, so I understand what you were saying. And to those people, I recommend that you do find someone who can help you heal those wounds. Um, and when you heal those wounds, then you can find your joy that is yours and your uh your innate abilities and then also you can differentiate between conditional love which is well i'll love you if you do that and i won't love you if you don't do that as opposed to unconditional love and that's the energy field that we get when we are around those people that you were talking about people that are awakened to that to that manner they ooze this unconditional love and that unconditional love is that I love you just because you are. And that is such a wonderful gift to be able to give and to be able to receive. I think that's the greatest service. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and this confusion between love and ego is really at the base of most human suffering. If, if you know, one way to look at the spiritual path is to look at it as a process of ever-increasing discernment where we separate that which is true with a capital T from that which is false. And, you know, our suffering comes from unwittingly for most people. I mean, there are a few people that are actively committed to serving the dark side, but that's a relatively small number of people. For most people, their suffering comes from thinking that they're doing the right thing, but they're really serving the ego. And so one way to look at the spiritual path would be that it's this process of, in the presence of true love, true awareness, discovering where we have misperceived, where we have inadvertently put our faith into the ego and that we've been serving and worshiping the ego without even knowing it. And so, so this process of, of, of I call it uh, a hand in the cookie jar moment <laughs> where, we re where we realize that we've had our ladder up against the wrong wall. Where we, oh, that's a, yeah, I like that analogy. Where we realize we've been serving the wrong master and 
it's a very humbling experience. You know, if you've never experienced being brought to your knees in true humility, it comes from these oh my God moments, like when uh, it comes from the awareness that Jesus was pointing to when he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. It's this realization of how we have been blind. We've been so unaware of being unaware. We've been so arrogant in thinking that we knew. We were so blind. And then when you wake up and you see how blind you've been, that's that, oh my God, hand in the cookie jar moment that is the dawning of true humility, which to me is a vital um, milestone on the spiritual path because it does give you true humility and it does give you true compassion and it can um, really kindle your commitment to almost like a bodhisattva vow. You know, it can really kindle your desire to serve other beings because there were these beings that were serving you when you were blind and you're you're committed to paying it forward and you know to me that's a big part of my own life i've been so blessed on my journey in this and other lifetimes of having such wonderful teachers that were there for me when i was walking in the dark and i had lost my way and uh, i'm just so grateful and so my life now is about keeping my vibration clear and high and looking out there and paying it forward in ways that that I'm guided to that resonate with my joy and um, and utilize my unique gifts and talents and strengths and help me to participate with people that have complementary gifts and talents and strengths and you know and 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 life goes on and, and to me that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's a that's a great summary of everything that you just said. And I would like to add that um, there's more than one way to get to those expanded beings, those expanded people, and we can go inside of ourselves to meet with them as well. And sure. that is where I've always met them. I, I was gifted in that, uh, I think it's because I died when I was little, sort of, yeah. And then came back and, and I kind of said, look, I'm not going to go back there alone. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I always felt that. I always felt that I was not alone. And I always knew that there was this light thing, whatever the heck it was, that was there, that I would talk to it. And, um, and it, it helped me all the time. And so if, even if we don't have the opportunity to find one person in our outer life that can give us unconditional love, or if we're young and we're tied to our families or in something we believe that we can't leave, we can go inside to get exactly what Dr. David was talking about. You know, we can go inside of ourselves and find that same energy field, can't we? Yeah, you can. And you know, it's a good point that it doesn't matter where you start. However, I would say that the fullness of a human life ultimately requires um, a facility with both the inner and the outer. 
Yes, you know, I agree completely. It, yes. it doesn't matter where you start, but for truth to be a living, breathing knowingness for a human being, it can't just be an inner thing or it can't just be an outer thing. Eventually, it, someone who really knows truth is living in such a way that the inner and the outer become two aspects of one unity. Yes, exactly. Because the, the polarities begin to merge and the separation begins to merge. We start living within a oneness. And so we aren't separate, even from the people that we think, oh, that's the bad guys that are doing that. We're not even separate from them. And so then we can send that same kind of compassion and forgiveness right. that, that Jesus spent. And, and that is really a lot, I think, of what we came here to do is to really forgive all life for what we thought it did to us and to realize that we are all life. But again, the challenge is that when you're immersed in such dysfunctional um, psychological and biological climates, yes, it's very difficult to find that centered place where these realizations can emerge. And that's why that's why I work the way that I work, because you and I could talk till the cows come home about all of these wonderful spiritual truths. But if someone is biologically and psychologically discombobulated, their ability to tune into the truth of these ideas would be like turning on a radio and trying to tune in a station where there was all this static on the line to the point where even though the station might be broadcasting, there's so much static that as far as you're concerned, you can't benefit from the signal. And so, um, you know, I see that all over the place. Like, you know, I think sometimes that if Jesus was walking down the street, that most people wouldn't even know, notice anything unusual about that person because they would have so much static on their biological and psychological lines that they wouldn't, it wouldn't register. There'd be too much static on the line. And so the way that I work is I try to come at it from both ways. I try to come at it from the being rooted and anchored in unconditional love and in spiritual truth. And at the same time, to be compassionate and sensitive and aware of the biological and psychological forces that are at play and the and the social forces that are part of that mix as well you know it's uh you know if somebody is in severe physical pain or if somebody doesn't have enough food to eat or if somebody is physically not able to wash themselves or clean themselves or have enough water or be warm when it's cold or cool down when it's hot or to feel physically safe in their person um, or if they're being psychologically bombarded with frequencies and suggestions and um, uh, and 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 threat and direct duress coercion lies uh, manipulation all the time it's very 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 difficult and so 
that's why I try to address things from multiple angles. I try to address things from the biochemical angle, from the structural angle, from the um, from the level of uh, our relationship to our inner world, as well as coming from a radical spiritual viewpoint. And I think, you know, if there's anything that makes my work unique, I would say that's what makes it unique is that uh, most people try to find their own way by having to kind of piece to this together over time. And to be able to work with someone who has a pretty good handle on these different ways of approaching things and how they relate to each other and the kind of meta patterns that I'm able to see because I've been doing this for so long. I think there's a tremendous advantage to that kind of synthesis and that kind of synergy. And I think it really, it really portends to the, uh, the medicine of the future. I really think that this, this is the direction that we're moving. Absolutely. I agree. And that's a great, I just want to stop for a moment and say that that's a great model that you have presented and People are very lucky to be able to have you, to be able to share that model with them. Yeah, and I think that, thank you, and I think that's one of the things that that I've discovered is that in order to create the mental openness to enter into this possibility, to be able to present these kinds of models where that people's brains, people's minds can go, oh, yeah, that makes sense to me. Oh, I can... I can picture that. Oh, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that, make it understandable. Yeah. Part of people going, oh, well, maybe this guy isn't completely off the wall. <laughs> no, maybe this guy really does know what he's talking about. Maybe he really uh, is somebody that it might be valuable for me to pay attention to. Like, for example, I'm 59 years old now, and I've been doing this for a long time in this life and other lifetimes. And in this life, I've been in the healing arts now for about 40 years. I've been a doctor for about 28 years. And, you know, I was blessed to have some powerful awakening experiences at a fairly young age so that by the time I was about in my early 20s, I was, I pretty much knew what I was talking about in these areas. And yet, you know, 35, 40 years ago, a lot of these ideas seemed completely off the wall whereas i i am your age yeah. actually older and yes they absolutely were off the wall yeah. but that's the way it is and to be a forerunner yeah. for everyone who's listening you know it takes a lot of courage to be a forerunner and to go out and be your expanded self that you have discovered inside of you like dr david has done and so that's that's kind of an important message that I would like you all to go away with, that you yourself have a lot of power to assist this entire shift of how we perceive reality. And also to me, it points to, you know, the fact that, that the way the game is set up now, if we're going to win the game now, it's not going to be through the lone ranger yes you know that that once we reach a certain level of physical balance psychological health spiritual maturity the next natural expression of that 
is what I call what what my friend Patricia Albert calls the conscious we space. You know, two conscious beings choosing to come together purposefully to create a new field of energy and love and possibility that's greater than could be done as an individual. You know, like if you were to look at it in religious terminology, we, you know, when two or more are gathered in my name. And to me, the way the game is set up, that if we're going to win this game called Thriving on Planet Earth, not only are we going to have to mature as individuals, but we're going to have to learn the laws of higher relationship so that we come together as wholes, W-H-O-L-E-S. We come together consciously as a whole, as wholes, to consciously create an even greater whole that has greater possibilities. And to me, this is what is beginning to happen now, where conscious individuals are coming together for conscious relationship. And out of that will become much more conscious groups and communities. And out of more conscious groups and communities will come a more conscious culture and a more and, and will will definitely contribute to the healing of the entire planet, including Mother Earth, because the main source of the dis-ease in the body of the Mother Earth has been the misperceptions and imbalanced creations, both metaphysical and physical, of humanity. And so our stewardship of ourselves and our families and our communities and ultimately of the planet is the only way we're going to win the game. Yes, absolutely. And I, I would like to bring it to a conclusion right there about pulling it together as a whole planetary being and that everybody comes together. And of course, not everybody will at first, but these things progress logarithmically. You know, we have two and then four and then, yes. you know, eight and then 16 and then 32. And so it goes much faster. And it is actually occurring now. I mean, we can see that, how that's happening, can't we? We can. But yeah, but the thing, I, really here. the thing I want to point out is that there's a counter, <laughs> excuse, me, <coughs> excuse me, is that there's a counterpoint. In other words, the more the higher frequencies get anchored, in a human being or in a relationship or in an organization or on a planet. On one hand, the more opportunities there are for gloriously expressing more light and more love. But at the same time, the dysfunctional structures that have been a reflection and an expression of the old consciousness will crumble faster and faster. I like the crumbling faster and, and faster. <laughs> and, and for, for you and me, it's we're happy that that's happening. But, yeah. but if an individual's uh, sense of identity is wrapped up in these structures that are crumbling, it is extremely fearful and terrifying. And so part of our job is to be peaceful and to extend our understanding and our caring and our love for other people so that they can begin 
to open up to the possibility that their true identity is not wrapped up in these structures. It's only the ego that gets wrapped up in these structures. And so that's right. why that's why I tell people that it could be the best of times for people or it could be the worst of times for people, depending on whether they're willing and able to make the shift into what you're calling unity consciousness or if they are staying stuck in the ego sense of separation and competition and struggle. Yes, that's 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 true. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you so much for all that wonderful information. And I know I have to close now. And I was great talking with you. Um, and uh, did you have any closing statements you want to say before we close here? A oh, couple things. I'll, I'll give up my contact information. And then I want to thank you, Suzanne, because um, the way that I teach and the way that I heal is that I respond to the energy that's present. And so that was one of the reasons that I wanted you to interview me because I knew you and I knew your consciousness and I knew that you would trigger these uh, a powerful conversation um, that could uh, move and, and uplift a lot of people. So I wanna really thank you for being willing to interview me today and just for those of you that are moved by this conversation that would like to have further contact with me, um, you know, you can always go to the website where these podcasts are uh, hosted at www.cuttingedgedoc.com. That's cuttingedgedoc.com. And uh, there's ways to contact me there. And uh, I am in private practice in San Jose, California, and I do consult with people over Skype and telephone through all over the world. And uh, Suzanne, let me leave it to you since you were kind of hosting the show. Let me leave it to you for, to say any last words and to close us out here on this edition of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. Well, my last words are thank you very much for everything that you said. It was wonderful to talk to you. We have a lot of things in common, obviously. And I hope we can talk again soon sometime. So have a wonderful day to you and a wonderful day to everybody who comes to this meeting and um, via whatever means you discover it. And please feel free to contact Dr. David at the information he gave you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. Bye Have for, a good day. Bye for now. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Freeing the Body, Freeing the Soul. To access all episodes, including show notes, go to cuttingedgedoc.com. That's cuttingedgedoc.com. Lastly, if you love today's show, you can support Dr. David, his work, and the show by going over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating and a heartfelt comment. Thank you again for joining us today and for your commitment to freeing the body, freeing the soul.